MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. And MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. And some of our very own staff members at DNVR have taken MSU Denver online classes. Uh, Harrison Wynn says that the professors are extremely engaged. They care about how you do and they get back to you quickly. The, the course content is highly relevant because at MSU Denver online, you learn about things that you can use outside of the classroom. They place an emphasis on real life skills uh, that you can use in the workplace and not bullshit father, fodder that you'll never apply after the class is over. Uh, it's convenient. It's specifically designed for people who work full-time jobs while they're taking classes. So if you have any interest in MSU Denver online, go to msudenver.com slash online to learn about the 40-plus online and hybrid programs that could get you a degree. Welcome into the DMVR Draft Podcast. I am your host, Andre Simone, joined by Henry Chisholm, who did that gorgeous MSU Denver read. Thank you. Um, we've also got our Mountain West savant uh, in the house. Justin Michael is here with us, as always. And the man, the myth, the legend, Jake Schwanis, here with us. Jake, are you happy the Michigan game was canceled this week? Are you like Harbaugh? I I, I'm just numb to that team, man. I, I'm numb to football at this point. It's just been it's nice. been a brutal year. <laughs> we are presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, which is also giving us some trouble on college football. I teased this. I said, let's let's record. Uh, I will tell you why we are losing money on college football. We are the problem, folks. Uh, we Every single time this show ends, I look at my bet slip and I say, oh, wow, these are a bunch of of losers we are just there there are far too many minuses in our bet slips we are laying way too many points here in november in december college football that's how you're gonna get killed and now once in a while we, we do that with the gators we win we do that with ohio state we win uh but then it's getting us in these other areas like byu coastal and all that so keep that in mind i'm I'm going to call you out if you're laying too many points on today's slate. We are the problem, but I'm glad that you're making that up in the NFL, Jake. You might have to give us your pick of the week um, here as we end the show. Lots, lots, lots to do this week because we need to finalize our All-American teams. We, I'm insisting on a mock draft since that's what I was promised coming out of break. Um, since our colleague Henry Chisholm so crassly predicted a loss to the Broncos. The Broncos almost made him look stupid, uh, but they didn't. They didn't. It was, frankly, never in doubt. Um, and, yeah, the Broncos are the 10th draft and 10th now, though, so that's going to be exciting. We'll see if we can get one of these quarterbacks to drop. We'll see if we can reach on one of these quarterbacks. We'll see what other options we have. Yeah. But I think All-American talk first. Yeah. Yeah. So what we need for the All-Americans today is uh, two wide receivers. Oh, yeah. One tight end, Ooh. two running backs, 
one quarterback and our three coach of the year um, candidates ranked one to three. Beautiful. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Sneaky, sneaky. Uh, Where should we start? Where should we start? Let's knock tight end out the way. Kyle Pitts. Yep. I had a good friend of mine, Luca Domeneghini, who I used to do draft pods with, tell me, ask, have you seen a better tight end in college football ever? I think my answer is no. Um, Sad that it happens in this season without fans, shortened season, Gators missed some games, and then Pitts was even injured. Um, But to me, he is the best tight end I have ever seen in college football, and that's saying quite a bit. But around the clock everyone in on Kyle Pitts as the uh, number one tight end in the country easy oh yeah easy yep okay and in the mock we'll see how high he can go because uh there's a lot to be said for that all right so we got the easy one out the way let's jump jump right into the quarterbacks uh because you can pick I don't know four or five this year and uh, make a really strong case for them. Uh, so I leave it to you. This is a toughie. Justin, why don't you start us off? I really struggled on who I wanted to give this one to because I'm trying to decide, you know, am I looking at it sheer from a, from a numbers standpoint? Am I trying to factor in, you know, how they played against, you know, elite competition? Am I trying to think of like, who's had the biggest wins? Right now, I lean towards Kyle Trask at Florida just because of what he's doing from a sheer statistical standpoint. I mean, he's top 10 in completion percentage, yards, touchdowns, number one in touchdowns with 38, only four picks this year. It's really hard to argue against that production. If if you're not going him, I think it probably comes down to Mac Jones or Zach Wilson. Either you can't really go wrong with any of those three guys, in my opinion. Hesitantly, I give it to Kyle Trask, although I'm all in on my guy. Money Mac Jones. Yeah. Money Mac. Yeah. Go ahead, Jake. I'm with you. I think it's between those two easily. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if you look at it from the numbers standpoint and just base it on who's been the better quarterback this year, I think you have to give it to Kyle Trask. Yeah. Um, Even though Mac Jones has been very impressive, kind of entered the year, you know, maybe in the draft conversation. Now he's really solidified himself as a, at least a first round talent, I think. Um, but yeah, there's, I think there's, I mean, Zach Wilson, you can make a case, even Trevor Lawrence. I know he missed the games, um, but when he's played, Clemson has been unbeatable basically. Uh, but it's hard to deny what Kyle Trask has done this year. Here's a question. Um, and I'm not saying that like, this is how we should decide it, but is there, if, if you just had to win a football game today, would you take anybody over Trevor Lawrence? No, I don't think so. That's what makes it so hard for me is that like, yeah, Kyle Trask is like statistically the best. He's put up the production. Mm-hmm. He's done over and over again. But at the same time, you have a guy like Trevor Lawrence who unquestionably is just the best quarterback in college football. It's the Michael Jordan, Peyton Manning, Wayne Gretzky for MVP every year they played essentially yeah. argument uh, of like, well, sure, maybe Barkley that one year had more of an MVP type season. But let's be honest, the best player in the NBA, even that year, was still Michael Jordan. Um, it's that kind of argument. And I think you're right. But I think in this award, 
we do need to reward who's had the most outstanding season. And Kyle Trask has kind of had that rare Joe Burrow type year where find me one bad game. Find me one bad game. Um, that maybe it was last week where for a second, Jake, you were a little worried the Gators weren't going to cover that first half spread, yeah. but Caltras came through for him and you said, it's it's over, give him the Heisman, give him everything, Caltras, number one in the world. Just for that reason, it was a <laughs> exactly. spectacular cover. Him and Kadarius Tony deserve, I mean, oh, come on. all the accol- accolades, throw it all at him. But seriously, though, uh, like what you said, I don't think he's had a bad game this entire year. Yeah. I mean, he kind of struggled, I guess, a bit in the first quarter against Tennessee, but mm-hmm. it was, I mean, it was a minor roadblock. I mean, he still threw for 433 yards and four touchdowns, which is just out of control. So I, I do like to, uh, um, the argument for Lawrence from Henry because I do think that Trevor Lawrence still is the best player in the country and the best quarterback at that. And I mean, are we really going to just like deny the best quarterback, the first team all American award, just because, you know, I mean, it's kind of a given that he is the best and we're just going to deflect, I guess, to someone else. But I guess to me, the all American award, what makes it cool is it's based on production. It's not necessarily the outright most talented player in the entire country. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of times where people that are all Americans from, you know, like a G five team aren't necessarily you know, more talented than the people they beat out. It's just, they've had those type of seasons. The other thing that helps Lawrence's argument though, is you see how valuable he actually is to that team. I mean, you take him away one time, they lose their first game in a couple of years. So it's, that probably helps his cause a little bit. It's, it's an intriguing argument, but I think you got to go to Kyle Trask. Yeah. The, The tough part for me though, is that like, we're we're just going to let Trevor Lawrence go through his entire college career and never be an all-American cuz he's never been on an all-American team before that's wild he, was yeah. he a Heisman finalist last year um i can he, he had to have been right i mean it's going to be like Tua Tua never did end up winning the Heisman right nope going to be like Tua never winning the Heisman. It's going to be odd because, you know, like Tua 90% of his college career, we assumed the Heisman was in the bag. Then, you know, Kyler kind of stole it from him. Injury late last year. Um, go And Joe Burrow's emergence kind of stole that from him as well. The other pro-Trask argument over Mac Jones and the pro-Mac Jones argument is arguably a better offense this year, arguably a better team. Um, so the best player on the better offense and the better team maybe should be rewarded. But I think in this wacky season, and this is where to me, Trask and Jones, Trump Lawrence, or and even fields is, I think the competition level Trask has faced and has lit up is probably the toughest schedule. Any offense has faced this year. You're talking about three ranked teams at this point, because Mizzou's now snuck into the top 25. Georgia, the defense that I think maybe the only defense in the country we've lauded as like a legit defense and he tore them apart. Like RIP Georgia's defense being elite. You can, you know, you can put the date week one of the season until Cal Trask just smoked them. Uh, and then a and they lost that game, but he plays them close. It wasn't because of that, because of him. Kentucky's been a tough defense. We've talked them up. Um, so I, I think he's just, 
face the toughest schedule and perform the best. So uh, credit mm-hmm. to him. It's really been a special season and he's grown on me a lot. We we're talking off air. Hank, you were giving him some really nice stats on how he's performed under pressure. Top five in the country under pressure. Second in the power five as well. And considering the strength of schedule he's faced as well. I think that's really impressive. So I'm, I'm glad we all agree. Um, Kyle Trask. God, I'm so tempted by him. If this was 2010, Kyle Trask is a top five pick. I have no doubt about that. None. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was seventh in the Heisman voting last year. So he's going to go through his career with the best accolade on his. Well, I guess college football playoff MVP is pretty good. Um, But the best accolade being first team all ACC, never a Heisman finalist, never an All-American. Sometimes it hurts you when you play on those stacked teams. And, and yeah. you don't necessarily get the you yeah. know, crazy individual numbers, which mm-hmm. I, it's whether that's right or not. I mean, yeah. I just think there there have been multiple examples of that. Where really one touchdowns, players. two interceptions, completed seventy percent of his passes in seven games this season. Well, and that's rushing touchdowns. Definitely part of it, Justin. But he yeah. also he came in halfway through the season, his first year, because Kelly Bryant was still there, and it took him to the Natty the year prior. Um, so just playing half a season, he was never in the running. Then that his one full year as a starter, the ACC sucked. I don't think they faced one in-conference opponent that was ranked all season. Um, so like, how can you give a dude the Heisman when he didn't have a single Heisman moment? Uh, so it's, yeah, it's a very unique career. You're right. Um, I mean, yeah. Postseason, one of the greatest college football players of all time, arguably. But yeah. regular season, maybe the, maybe the greatest. Seriously, yeah. dude, for time. real. This is for so real. Weird resume. <laughs> it's a wacky one, man. Yeah, it really is. That's fun. All right, wow. shall we move on to running backs? Okay, running back. I'm I'm scared here. I'm scared. I know. I it's I. This is a tough one. This is a really tough one. Is it one or two running backs? Two. Two? Okay. Thank yeah. you. Thank All God. right, Henry, tell us why you're taking Jarek Broussard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so Let's the easy answer is because the he's the best running back in the country. And so I think Ooh. that's where I have to start. I mean, you, seriously, though, I mean, you look at the... In, in a world where Najee Harris doesn't exist, but... Yeah, sure. <laughs> but uh, you, you look at the, uh, like, yard rushing yards for game, he's right up there. I mean... Second in the country, top in the power five. Here, you let me pull up the column I wrote last weekend. And uh, you guys can talk about the other guys. So I, this is where I have all my stats laid out. One has to be Najee Harris, right? Probably. It's he's, not even a debate. He's been spectacular, man. You think 20 touchdowns in a in 6.1 yards per carry and 20 touchdowns against the SEC? Three players have more uh, rushing yards than Back. him, and uh, they've all played another game. Uh, Sorry, been a stud, man. I, I honestly just wanted to give Broussard. you crap because I knew you'd be ex- you'd be stoked to talk about him. I think it makes sense. Obviously, they don't have the resume, they don't have as many games, but I mean, you can't really fault a guy for the fact that they haven't had an opportunity to play more games. Broussard has made the most of every opportunity he's been given. I just think it's tough when you've got guys around the country like Brees Hall at Iowa State, thirteen hundred yards, six point one yards per carry, seventeen rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Jared Patterson at Buffalo. 920 rush yards dude only has 107 carries i mean it's i know his stats kind of got impacted by that one massive game but let me say that again 920 rush yards on 107 carries that's 8.6 yards per carry 
16 touchdowns. There are a lot of productive running backs this year. Patterson, 230 per game. Yeah. No, it's tough. And I mean, we it's correct not to penalize Broussard. And another massive performance in Utah will be huge for the resume. I mean, if if the Pac-12 does the right thing and gives them another game on an even bigger stage, then we're really talking. But it's tough when you're putting them against Najee Harris, Isaiah Spiller, and the other dudes that, that have been killing it, the guys at UNC, for like 10 games. Yeah. Sorry. But I mean, when you talk about the sample size, it's not like it's that big of a difference. I believe right now he's 17th in the country in carries, even though they have only played that many games. You, you look at what he's done with those carries, it's right up there. Like, yeah, it'd be nice if they got him up toward the top, like some of those bigger names that we're talking about. But just unrealistic, but you look at what he's done and he's, it, it's historic. I mean, if, if he has one more 100 yard game, if he goes for hundred yards tomorrow against Utah reminder, he's averaging 180 yards per game, 183 yards per game. Um, he would be only the second player ever to start his career with that many 100 yard games consecutively. And uh, the only person who would have done it longer would be Adrian Peterson. Um, his wow. name, like in a whole bunch of different ways is in there with all sorts of different, very, very good running backs. I mean, Rashawn Salam, the only Heisman winner ever from CU, through his first four games of his Heisman winning season, had uh, six fewer yards and he did it on eight fewer carries. So that's the difference there. Um, just set the record for most 50 plus yard runs in a game, the first ever 300 yard game that Arizona had given up, um, single game record for rushing yards in a quarter with 155. And you can go through all the bus records. You talk about the level of competition. That's been a knock. I mean, but I just wonder if perception hurts them in that regard in terms of, I mean, we, we watch a lot of PAC 12 football on this podcast. Yeah, but the voters, a lot of the voters on the East Coast, I, I just don't know if he's going to has gotten enough exposure yet, but that's where we come down to that Utah game. If, if he goes off again this weekend, yeah. probably puts himself firm in that conversation. Because if the Pac-12 had like another three games on the resume, Broussard, Jamar Johnson, uh, Jefferson out of Oregon State, they're firmly in these conversations we're having. Yeah. Right and- now, it's kind of an incomplete grade, though. Yeah, talking about the the level of competition, though, like one of the teams they played of the four teams they played, I guess five now. One beat uh, the number, or no, it would be four. Number twenty-two team in the country. One is a top ten scoring defense. Um, one is oh, over five hundred in a Power Five conference. And then, like, if that's not enough, you can look at what the other running backs on the Buffs roster, one of the deepest positions on the roster, have been able to do. Like over the course of this of the season, Jarek Broussard up over six and a half yards per carry. Well, last week, uh, the Buffs other running backs put up three point two three yards per carry. Week before, one point four. Week before, two point three three. Week before, one point five eight. So it's not like the offensive line is doing everything for him. Uh, it's not like it's just because they're going up against bad teams. Like the other running backs have been bad, been real bad. Meanwhile, he's going off and setting records. Um, in terms of just the best players in the country this season, he's got to be in that conversation. I think one more player that I don't think we've even mentioned on this podcast yet that has to be in this conversation is the running back from South Carolina, Kevin Harris. Um, He's had a fantastic year. Uh, I feel like we've kind of done him a disservice not being able to talk about him, especially after that Ole Miss game where he just completely ripped them apart. 
that game he went 25 carries, 243 yards, five touchdowns. I mentioned just, him once this year, but he like he is built like a square. <laughs> um, if you saw him on the street, you might think he's an Amazon package that was dropped in front of you. It, good luck tackling that guy. He's just a tractor. He's insane, man. Sorry, Jake. Go ahead. No, you're good. I just wanted to give him some love just because he's on a bad team. I mean, only yeah. two wins all year. I guess the one thing you could hold against him is uh, his three best games really have come against some of the SEC's worst teams uh, being, uh, at least defensively, uh, Ole Miss, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. You know, I mean, that's not really uh, a shining resume, I would say, but still he's been able to put up some impressive performances. Um, I don't think he would necessarily take the number two spot, just someone that has to get some love, I think, because I don't think, I mean, where else is he going to get love being on this South Carolina team? Absolutely yeah. agree. Also, just a note on Kevin Harris, who is the uh, third leading rusher in the country. If Jarek Broussard lost 15 yards this game and then lost 15 yards again the next game, he'd still have more rushing yards per game than Kevin Harris right now. <laughs> just <laughs> just a, another Jarek Broussard stat to put things in perspective. All right, we'll give it to him, Henry. He's our second back. Yeah. <laughs> No way. No, I way. mean, it doesn't it's have to be your guys. It's, it's Isaiah like a... Spiller all day to me. Really? Uh, I've been loving Spiller's game. I think AM deserves some love. I think Javante Williams deserves some love as an honorable mention. Broussard definitely deserves some love. I mean, it's a loaded class. We haven't even brought up Chubba Hubbard. Um, th there's some stud backs in the country uh, this year. And I, I love that we brought up Harris, you know, to me, it, the, the sophomore backs have really impressed me, and the best of the bunch is Spiller at AM, fifth ranked team in the country. Tooney, depending on how you identify him, he's another guy out of Florida who deserves some love in this conversation. For sure. And then Khalil Herbert, even last week against Clemson in the first half, he was running on them. Um, I don't know. I think he's still dealing with some injuries. He was like kind of popping in and out of the game, um, but he's been an impressive runner for them all year. It's, yeah, just tons of guys, man. Lots of talent for sure. Um, no, no Mountain West guys that deserve any love, um, Justin. I mean, you could look at a guy like Ronnie Rivers at Fresno State, who's having a tremendous season. Really, been you know the foundation of their offense. But I just when you look at the the level of competition and and just kind of the crazy numbers that a couple of these other guys put up. I don't know how I can sit here and, and clamor for Naj or for uh, Ronnie Rivers if I'm saying Jarek Broussard isn't you know the guy. So yeah, no doubt. All right, wide receivers it is. All right, Devontae Smith, well, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have to have to Devontae Smith. Um, man, has he benefited from Jalen Waddle being out? Oh yeah. Last week was. Just crazy. Can we talk about that LSU game real quick, though? Please. I mean, God, we LSU is bad. They're terrible. But we we've been raving about Derek Stingley since the beginning of last year, and two years in a row, Devontae Smith has gone out there and stolen his lunch money. Um, it's just and we're this secondary. I mean, Jacoby Stevens is a guy. He's been a three-year player at safety for them. And then we were talking about Eli Ricks, the other freshman corner. You know, it's not like I mean they haven't really been good. But this secondary has some guys, and he just went out there and vandalized them. I mean, is he a top 15 pick now? Easily. Like, has to be. And if he isn't, the teams drafting in the top 15 will live to regret it. 
Um, I mean, there's a reality where him and Jalen Waddle potentially both go in the top 15. I don't think it's going to happen with Waddle's injury, but I mean, talent wise, it's, it's crazy. And just to think like these two are on the same field at the same time with Henry Ruggs and Jerry (laughs) Judy. What? I mean, Alabama known for running the football and they've just completely completely changed everything about, I mean, kudos to Nick Saban, everyone, you know, he's an easy guy to kind of take shots at and I get it. Oh, sure. Got a divisive personality, but talk about being able to like read how the game is changing and seeing what do I need to do to make sure that I stay relevant. He did that when he brought in these offensive coordinators getting tongue tied. Sorry guys. You know, when he brought in Lane Kiffin and Sarkeesian and all these guys, it's paid off. No kidding. And John Mechie just steps in too. And he's an instant contributor. So it's just, it's insane. But Devontae Smith, mark my words. We will we will praise him till the end of the season. Then we'll put him through the, the draft process, start to knock him because his size is an elite, his speed is an elite, this, that, and the other. And then smart NFL coaches, because this is a guy that NFL coaches are going to salivate when they watch his tape and they watch how hard he competes in all phases. As a route runner, as a blocker. they are Underrated blocker. Dude, yeah, how physical he is, how this is the guy at Alabama who was the go-to wide receiver in key situations. This is who Tua, this is who Mac Jones were targeting when the game, in the key moments. Uh, Belichick, uh, guys like that, they're going to see that, and pff, he's going to be a stud. Would be a great fit in Miami. Would be a great fit with I'll one of those Tua, two first-rounders for Tua. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, then after that, can we have some conversations? Um, Please. And it's hard because some of these guys have declared early, like Terrence Marshall just kind of took his ball and went home. He would have been a top candidate. Um, Dwayne Eskridge at Western Michigan. Ooh, he's been absurd in the Mac, but the guy I'm zeroing in on the guy who I think deserves this spot and has really stolen the spotlight is a, uh, Ty Freifogel from Indiana. Damn it, One man. Of the great I, I thought I was going to have the surprise pick and be like, oh, we got to, don't forget <laughs> Ty Freifogel. <laughs> there you go. Make your case for him. He's been outstanding. No, I just think he's a dude who he's going to benefit from. He played his best in the biggest games that yeah. Indiana played in. And that helps with this type of recognition. I mean, he is a big part, obviously, Penix as well, but especially with him going down, you know, it's, it's going to hurt his numbers at the end. But with what we've seen out of Freifogel in those Big Ten games, I think he's a guy you just kind of have to reward mm-hmm. because of the part that he played in Indiana's revival this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all Americans to me are about exactly this, right? Exactly. Yeah. Kind of captured that spot, like in the big moments. You can't write the story of this absurd 2020 college football season without mentioning. Anytime Indiana had a big win and you were putting college football final on, it was nothing but Freifogel, Freifogel, Freifogel. It's this funny name that stands out to you. And the dude was just dominating 20 yards per reception, like just physically imposing, dominating. Love that cat. I'll throw, uh, I, I don't think Dax Milne should be one of our choices, but I do think that he deserves some attention. He's been one of the best deep threats all season. And I think specifically because we've talked about how good Zach Wilson has been throwing the ball downfield, Dax Milne, his best deep threat at BYU deserves some praise for what he's done. Um, And they're just fun. 
he yeah. he is fun. Just so big and so physical. He's caught 12 of 16 targets when 20 plus yards downfield. Those are just absurd numbers. You don't see that anywhere else. Targeted Video 16 games. times, 20 yards yeah. downfield. He's picked up 500 yards on those plays. 31 yards per target on deep balls. It's it's unreal to look at. You know, you look through the just like sort the receivers by most yards on 20 plus yards downfield and look at the reception. So he's third in those yards, but in front of it's 40% of the targets caught 38 and a half. And then you hit him and it's 75 and that's back down to 39 and a half, 57, 63, 55. It's a little bit bigger, but 50, 39, 32, 42, 40. Like you just don't see efficiency. Like he put up um, with Zach Wilson this season. Gunnar Romney, the other receiver at uh, BYU right behind him as well. Glad you talked so about Milne. Romney at BYU. <laughs> right. <I know>. No <laughs> relation. Who I know. Guess? That's what's even funnier. I wonder how many people had to Google that this season, though. Everybody that watched a BYU game. Seriously. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like that you mentioned Milne, though. He was someone that I wanted to talk about. I guess I'll take, uh, I guess, the low-hanging fruit and just say Elijah Moore is definitely worth considering in this spot. Yeah. Um, he's been very explosive. I mean, you want to talk about a deep threat. This guy just completely takes the top off of every defense they face. Ole Miss, we should mention. Yeah. Ole Miss, yes. Um, and then the other guy who I was looking at, I just had it. I'm going to look like an idiot here. Marlon Williams. Oh, it was not. It was uh, some guy that was playing while the Broncos were playing on Sunday, and it was Amon Ross St. Brown from USC. Had a fantastic yeah. game. And yep. has been looking good all year. And I mean, because of the Pac-12 scheduling, I think he's kind of flown under the radar now. But he was a big name at the end of last year. Someone that we need to pay more attention to. Agreed. Yeah. Love him. Um, just he's going to get the Pac-12 curse. And Chris and- Olave kind of stole the scene early for Ohio State. Not even their leading wide receiver um, anymore. So he kind of loses uh, loses out a bit with that. So. Marlon Williams at UCF has had a really nice season. Dude. 71 catches, 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns. Um, Romeo NFL at Nevada too. is another guy that's had a really nice year. Mm-hmm. 20 yards per reception, 9 touchdowns. He's kind of been the deep threat for a really fun Nevada offense. I keep saying it every week. If you have an opportunity to watch Nevada, they play Friday night against San Jose State. It's The winner is going to play Boise State in the Mountain West Championship game. Watch this game. Watch that Nevada offense. It's legit. I hated you for talking me out of San Jose State over Hawaii last week, by the way, Justin. <laughs> I'm sorry. As soon as it played out, I, I started watching it, and I was like, ooh. I was like, damn it, Justin overthought. What was worse one. is I didn't even take my own advice, and I bet San Jose State. <laughs> so they, oh, oh, now you know. Now, now you've done it. Um, on that note, is that it, Hank? Is that uh, our All-Americans right there? Tight end, Brian Beck. Yeah. Top three coaches now. Can we finally get some recognition for Carl Durrell, the man who took his job three months after the rest of the coaches had been hired, didn't get a single spring practice, turned a roster that nobody cared about. Colorado, remember, just think, what, what comes to mind when somebody says Colorado football? It's not good things. And now they're undefeated and they're about to finish the season undefeated. And it's been pretty much just him with no spring practice, a quarterback who played safety last year, a running back who had nobody knew his name. 
He had missed two seasons with a torn AC, two torn ACLs and had done literally nothing. And now they're doing this right now. Like Carl Durrell is easily a top three coach in the country this year. It's a valiant as much argument. as I want to give you crap. He is. It, you have to put him in the top three. I'm not sure he's the coach of the year, but he is absolutely one of the top three coaches in college football this season. Oh, big big ups to Carl Durrell. It's, Oh, it's it's unfortunate to see it being a CSU guy, but I, I really think he was the the right hire for CU. He brought the type of stability they needed. They they I just like their game. I, I've enjoyed watching the buffs this year. Don't cancel me, CSU fans, please. I think he's like top seven. I think he's definitely getting what more. Could you want? Oh, I, I don't what well, what would he have had to have done, Dre? Like my goodness. No, no, I it's 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 who could it's possibly not be in an, front of him. Well, for like, one, well, Matt Nick Campbell Saban at Iowa. Nick Saban Carolina. didn't even have to show up. He didn't yeah. show up half the time because he had COVID a couple right. of times. It's not, <laughs> sa- he's, not Saban. <laughs> he's ahead of Saban. No, don't worry about Saban. Um, it, Brian Kelly I, at I, Notre Dame. I yeah. Brian Kelly, Dan Mullen at Florida. I think Matt Campbell absolutely at Iowa State must be in there. I think he's uh, lost twice. Fackrell, Cincinnati must be in there. Chatwood, Coastal Carolina must be in there. And I mean, Fitzgerald Northwestern isn't getting in. in Indiana's coach isn't getting Indiana, in. For who's what Indiana's thing? coach? Woo! Uh, Some guy who lost a game. Allen. Tom, 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 <laughs> Tom Allen. Allen. Yeah, right, right, right. His name is so forgettable that it's like Tom Allen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Those guys have had years to do this, though. Those guys have been at these programs building toward this. Carl yeah, Durrell, and, and guess what? They all had spring practices too. Colorado is one of like 10 schools that literally did not have a spring practice. Like I, I'm not so sure, Dre. I, I like as, as good as like the coastal Carolina story is they beat two good teams all year. That's more than CU's beaten. Yeah, I'm just, I guess, I guess I, uh, CU does not have a win like BYU yet. Not yet. I mean, again, these awards aren't even about being right. They're about who who captured our hearts in this godforsaken 2020 college football season. (laughs) You're not saying Carl Durrell, the man who just Jeremy Chatwood, Matt Campbell, uh, Tom Brown. Mac, Mac Brown, I mean, as absurd as it sounds, Mac Brown's a great pick. He is a good pick. I, I, I agree with Henry, though. I think I think we are undervaluing the lack of spring ball, the lack of training camp. That is a big factor for a first-year program. I mean, I cover a first-year program that was basically in the exact same situation. It has not gone as successful as it has gone for CU. Now, CSU's had a lot more COVID issues. They got a quarterback controversy, all kinds of BS that they're trying oh, to figure out. First bronze boot dub in uh, many years with no training camp. Everything suspended. Dude, Do we get Steve Adazio, is. Mountain West coach of the year because of the circumstances he faced? Dude, they suck. You know? Do I get a <laughs> podcaster of the that year award because I record this from my toilet uh, in my cool. basement? And then now circumstances are what determine everything, or is it actually having an outstanding season against oh, tough so it's competition? Just, it's just by which team is the best. That's also the, team with the best coach. By the That's way, Kelly, oh, no, 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 I get to go now. No, Kelly no, 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 no. at Notre Dame. If, if you want to say, oh, but these teams are the teams that are ranked the highest. These are the teams that are in the top five and the top ten of the rankings. So they deserve to go. Like, come on, you see what Carl Durrell did? Carl Durrell did the most 
or the best coaching job of anybody in the country. Taking over when he took over, he had the odds stacked against him worse than any other program in the country did. He was the last head coach hired. He didn't have a single, a single, a single spring practice. He didn't have a single quarterback who'd ever started a game. He took a safety, put him at quarterback, won games doing that, took a running back and turned him into an all-American candidate, 183-yard-per-game rusher, a defense that is one of the best in the entire country. It's time to say that. It's the best in the Pac-12, and I don't even think it's close at this point. Like, maybe Washington can make some sort of argument, but this is what he has built. Meanwhile, you have a guy like Dan Mullen at Florida ahead of him who's lost a game, who's been there for years building to this point. That's not nearly as impressive. Two years. The level of competition go. that Florida has played this year, though, yeah. that's not a great argument for you because Florida has played probably the hardest schedule of anyone in the top 10. And, and how much talent does Florida have? How many they dealt stars with and five stars seasons they have compared to Colorado? Now, here's the other anti Durrell argument. If the season starts in September, what you're saying is correct. But all these other coaches, they had to start playing in September when, like, mid-August, we didn't even know if we were going to have a season. So it's not like they were having spring football and doing all this stuff to get ready themselves. They, they were kind have of thrown to the fire though. as well. They've had, they've had to adjust on the fly, just like Carl Durrell and everything who got to start playing in late October. So you got I that extra like, month buffer. I don't think higher spring football. Yeah, there and, aren't many teams that didn't get a single spring practice in. And there is continuity at the coordinator spots if we're going to talk continuity. He so, literally yeah. didn't get to meet his team in person until July, and that was because one of the players held up a Black Lives Matter rally, like like started one of those. That was the oh. first time he met his team, our first team meeting. He hasn't done. He's done a great job. There are just uh, about five or six coaches I would say have done a better job this season. Jimbo I, Fisher's I done that. a great job too. Jimbo, Jimbo, at Jimbo. Jimbo, are you kidding me, Jimbo? Clay Helton faced some terrible circumstances at USC too, Henry. They are also undefeated in the Pac-12. He was a joke nationally. No one's on a hotter seat than Clay he Helton. He had a high and preseason yet, look what Heisman he's candidate quarterback. <laughs> Come on. Amon St. Brown. No love for Jay Norville at Nevada. They're my team, so I'm just going to keep going back to them. They're undefeated. There you go. Oh, my goodness. So, there we are. Um do you want to give us your two on top of Durrell, Henry? Um, I feel or like is you your ballot just Durrell, Durrell, Durrell. I feel honestly it should be like throw that Coastal Carolina guy in there, Chadwell. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> this is, I love this. This is so Brian Kelly. great. This is fantastic. You got the Clemson win, man. How do you how do you not give it to the team that finally took down Clemson? Trevor Best Lawrence Notre Dame team since Trevor the 90s. Lawrence. That yeah. offense was insane, even with the number two yeah. guy. But, but, but yeah, they. But see, my thing is, what did he do? He took a team. What? Where did they? Where did they finish last year? Here's the thing with Brian Kelly. Notre I think Dame? he's done a tremendous yeah. job with Ian Book and has turned Ian Book into a real quarterback that can actually carry this team. When I mean, the previous years, Ian Book was. I mean, he was a laughing stock, man. He was a joke. This year, he's like pulling his best Manziel impression. He's making plays. That's impressive. I mean, he took a team that finished top 10 in the country last year to number four in the country. Congrats. <laughs> cool. Good, good work there. 
Well, what about Indiana, who hasn't had a winning record to 10 in forever, and now they're ranked in the top 15? You mean the, and the only game they lost, lost game. without their starting quarterback? With a safety at quarterback, haven't So, lost. okay, here's my argument for you then, Henry. <laughs> He's good. If Carl Dele- if Car or yeah, if Carl Durrell loses against Utah, do, do all does everything go out the window then? Is it only because he's undefeated? Because right. Right, that's your argument against everyone else. I mean, I don't think it goes. I mean, I, I think that then maybe not in the top three is a conversation. I do think that maybe that is in the conversation because he isn't like literally flawless. Like what that man did. I I don't want hey, to disrespect you the football your players on the team. He kind of took a pile of shit that hasn't I mean it's gotten to one bowl game in the last decade plus and is now undefeated and competing for a Pac-12 title and I mean that alone without all the other circumstances I feel like would put him very firmly in the conversation let me ask He's you this to me but I'm just curious let me ask you guys this and then tr- two minutes we're going to break we're we're not doing a mock anymore we're scratching that we've got some questions we'll do questions and then we'll do previews um were the buffs the last two years under both Mike McIntyre and Mel Tucker undefeated and ranked four games into the season? Yes or no? No. Are you sure? Yes. They lost to Air Force in the third game of the season last year. But they were ranked coming into that. Mm, were they ranked after two? I don't think so. They, they would play Colorado State and Nebraska. I don't think they were... No, there was a lot of excitement about the buffs being ranked in September. Oh, I, under Mel Tucker. Let's I, double check that. Okay. Also, they were four and zero with Montez starting at quarterback the year prior, going into Pac-12 play and ranked in the twenties under Mike McIntyre the year two yeah. years with a win over Colorado State and a win okay. over the University of New Hampshire. Yeah, not. Yeah. Also, who was on the team? Not a, not a safety who is playing quarterback is who. <laughs> also, spring practice. Also, that guy's, I don't know. They only had a senior quarterback last year. Yeah. Just saying. It's you a really good argument, though, Hank. It's a little early. I mean, I, honestly, I feel like I'm, if, if we are not all totally committed to him being the best, I feel like I've failed. That's how good of a coach he is. The argument was awful in that case. <laughs> oh, man. There's a lot of guys deserving, man. It's oh, Henry's going to be so pissed when Carl doesn't win this award. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually, I'm going to be upset too. He is a top three guy. I, the Dre said he's like seventh, and, and that's an exaggeration in my opinion. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I don't know if there's like some sort of like anti Colorado bump that's going here or like what's going on, but the, I, I'm, well, no anti-Colorado bump. We no anti-Colorado bump. We had Broussard at running back. We have Darrell in the conversation for the top. We're giving him love. Well, I did. I, we did get. We did get Nate Lamon in. Yeah, Broussard. You guys didn't agree, but whatever. At the end of the day, you're the only oh. one that actually votes on this. So. Oh yeah. Plus, I'm pretty sure if I just let you guys pick everything, then I might like lose my ballot or something. It seems like that's against the rules. So probably there have to be a couple of tweaks. <laughs> but yeah. Oh man. Um so who who are the other two? I think you gotta go Chadwell at Coastal Carolina, and then it's do you go Jimbo Fisher or Brian Kelly? 
Matt Campbell too, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to me, uh, yeah. <sighs> Tough. And I think Allen Fitzgerald to me, it's Allen Chatwood. Um, and Fackrell, honestly, at Cincinnati, I think he deserves it more than, uh, more than those other dudes. And then I don't know his name, but the guy coaching Louisiana too. I mean, this team's been pretty solid all year. They were a good. Team That's Billy Napier, too. baby. Former CSU offensive coordinator. Huh? I didn't know that. 2014. Yeah. Yeah. He was rumored to get the buffs job. He was a didn't. good hire, but he, Glad the he reason he left CSU was he didn't like living out here. So there were like people that were like, when the CSU job opened, Oh, give it to Billy Napier. Yeah. Give it the, to the guy who literally left a top 20 offense because he hated living in Colorado so much. Yeah. Maybe that wasn't so likely. Um, I feel like we're done with this conversation though. Yeah, totally. Let's, Let's move on to questions. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Henry, do you have a special shout out to make before I remind you that in 2018 week six buffs were ranked 21st in the country at four and oh under Mike McIntyre, who was fired mere months later, the, but not last year <laughs> when I was covering the team, when I was talking, rise. <laughs> rise, baby. Oh my God. Oh, this was pre rise. This was post rise yeah. 2018. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 2018. Yeah. There's with wins over those, that was the year when they have wins over Rhode yeah. Island and Colorado State, and I'm not oh, Nebraska would have been one of them. Yep. They played Rhode Island last year, or no, that was New Hampshire. That was the year New before Hampshire. last. Yeah, same difference. Last year they played, uh, obviously CSU, Nebraska, and Air Force were the non-conference games, and they lost to Air Force in that third game. That's right. Hmm. Special shout out, Henry. Oh yeah, I forgot. Um, it feels like just. Oh wait, 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 wait. That was the wrong one. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is wishing you the happiest of holidays and to kick off the season of giving. DraftKings has new promotions and odds boost every day this week. Luckily for us sports fans, there is an abundance of action taking place this week. Football teams are in the hunt to secure their place in the playoffs, while college basketball season is just getting underway. There's no better place to get in on all of the action. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new players the chance to earn a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 when signing up using promo code DNVR. DraftKings Sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet, from live betting to betting on your favorite players, they do it all. To celebrate this weekend's UFC 256, DraftKings is giving all MMA fans who sign up now the chance to triple their winnings when placing any bet on UFC 256. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up and get up to $1,000. That's code DNVR to get a deposit bonus up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Nicely done. Um, I'm you kind of Carl Durrell of Reeds. You are. It's true. <laughs> Very little preparation always executes and always re- relies on his supporting staff around him, uh, builds people up, doesn't bring them down. You on definitely top of that heavily underrated. Uh, 
Ooh, no yes, yes, doubt. Yes, yes. No doubt. Um, <laughs> I mean, you are. Are you top three on my finalist? That I don't know, but you are definitely the Carl Durrell. Yeah, gonna gonna throw somebody in there who couldn't like finish the read one of the times instead. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you love the Colorado Mines coach, right, Hank? Because he was so good in his time at Montana. Oh, that Am guy, I- Bob Stitt. What a fraud, <laughs> dude! I I've never heard stories about college coach oh. like I have from players about him. Like. Everybody like university is like, if, if this man talks about his off season golf trip one more time, I'm going to lose it. And that was like the kind of thing you heard consistently. Like the, the, he just didn't even care. Like <sighs> the man invented the jet sweep and did literally nothing else. But if, yeah, that's if I invented the jet sweep, I would be doing the same exact thing. I would, yeah, I would call it good. <laughs> getting a bunch of contracts you don't deserve and raking in the cash. Oh man, mine's had I, a lot of success under him. Yeah, it's different. A program that had no success before huh. he got there. Outstanding, just down the street too. Um, oh, I love this. I need to get Hank fired up on the pod way more often. <laughs> we asked you guys for some questions last episode. You came through in a big way. We really appreciate it. So we're gonna dig into that right away since we spent a little more on the All-American than we planned. Uh, AvsWatch22 asks, how did the MVR draft gank? And welcome back, Italian Stallion. Bless you, brother. Thank you very much. Great pod last week. Really enjoyed the dive into the All-American group. Fun question for you four. If JOK ends up in Denver, do we have to call him Joker or Little Joker? Cheers, gang. What do you think? JOK, do you approve of either of these nicknames? And if not, what would your nickname be? Henry, let's see if we can get you to cool off thinking about some fun wordplay for a second. He's trying to steal Nikola Jokic's nickname? Don't like that. I'm not going to stand for that. Mm -hmm. If you think this is going to cool me out, I'm kidding. Um, Little Joker? That nickname sucks. I mean, compared to Nikola Jokic, he is little. But But JOK, joke, would be, you know, if you... Joke. Is JOK not a nickname? That's an kind of the abbreviation. Thing now, isn't it? Yeah. We're giving a nickname based on a nickname. Turning his nickname. Here's the thing. Let's Joker, draft the guy first. <laughs> Joker <laughs> is like a position too. So, and I don't think he plays. He doesn't play that position. So it's it'd be kind of out of place. I think. That's true. Mm. We've got time to workshop it. Is the important thing. Call him Jock. We've already come up with JOK. Love that that's catching on. If we can then, you know, bounce bounce the the runner-up nickname off of that, I think we're in a golden place because people will start stealing that soon enough. So be prepared. We will be workshopping this for sure. Yeah. That's like really that hard. I'm not good at nicknames. I would, I would approve L- Lil Yoke. I'm not Yoke. calling a defensive player Little. Well, but he kind of is. Yeah. I mean, that's that's his might is that he's small guy all over the field, good downhill, good backwards. He does everything. What if what if Mean Joe Green was Little Joe Green? What would we think of him? Probably not. I think so he was mean. a nicer guy, maybe because of his nickname. Probably, yeah. I think I would think less of him. I would also incorrectly assume he was little, and Mean Joe was not. He was that uh, is true. Badass. Uh, well, are big we calling him lineman. Little or Lil? Like Lil, mm. exactly. Lil, mm-hmm. Lil Yoke. You know, Lil Wayne. He might. Well, one of us needs to spend a week deciding or figuring out whether he raps, and then we'll decide. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, we'll contact him, try to get him as a guest on the show. He can tell us why Brian Kelly deserves uh, the coach of the year award this year for his great work at Notre Dame with the Irish. Yeah, Craig congrats L. On, congrats <laughs> on winning at Notre Dame. I, I'm sorry, guys. I can't help it. You might have to cut my mic. I cannot wow. help it. Really turned around Notre Dame, didn't he? <laughs> Craig L. says, Out of nowhere, those the fighting Irish. <laughs> Just snuck up on everybody. Love the draft pod. Wish it was more than once a week. Well, Craig, uh, careful what you ask for, because who knows? In the offseason, we might be bringing a little extra content to you. On the last pod, you made the comment about the players at 12. If that's where the Broncos pick doesn't match up with their needs, would you welcome a trade back in this scenario? And if so, how far back do you move and who would you be looking at drafting? Could we get a breakdown of the Buffs and Rams eligible for this draft? where they could be picked and specifically how they would fit in Denver. Um, let's tackle that. I would certainly approve of the trade back. That would make a lot of sense, especially if you can find a, um, you know, a, a needy team at skill positions. Cause that's the strength of this draft. As far as who I would target, it would be nice if you could move back five to 10 spots, maybe, maybe beat everyone a drafting one of those second tiers of quarterbacks and have some extra draft capital to still get a stud in the back seven or a developmental edge. Like say, maybe you move up into the top 40 as well with another second rounder with this move. And maybe all of a sudden Osai is a nice pick on top of a Mac Jones or something or an O-lineman, something like that. That to me would be the ideal scenario. Um, thoughts on that, Jake. And then Hank and Justin, you guys go and give us a quick recap of the top uh, prospects at either school and what you think that draft range might be. Yeah, I agree with the plan on trading back. I do think that, I mean, if you have to trade back, you got to get multiple starters out of it, right? Yes. So uh, secondary would be another, specifically corner would be another position I would look at. Yeah. Um, I mean, AJ Boye just got suspended, so we're going to at least need someone else to come in and fill that roster spot uh, for the first, what is it, three games of 2021? So that would yeah. be a position I would look at. Um, you could probably find a decent interior offensive lineman around that spot. That seems to be where they're going to be going towards the back end of the first round, early second yes. round. Um, it's a shame that they don't have a need at receiver just because there's so many guys in that range. Yeah. But um, I mean, tempted definitely... by running back maybe, or like a Javon Holland, the Jack of all trades in the secondary, maybe. Definitely. I think so. Running back would be an intriguing position. I mean, mm. I maybe not next year though. Cause you still do have Melvin Gordon for next year. Yeah. Um, maybe you do bring it, bring a guy in that you kind of, I guess, groom after that. I know <laughs> yeah, Melvin Gordon, but uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, if honestly, if they trade back, I'd be kind of disappointed. Justin thoughts on trading back and CSU's top prospect. What do you see that range? In? If you don't land a top 10 pick, I don't think it really matters all that much where you go from like 11 to 19 ish. Yeah, so yeah. I, I would definitely be in favor of trading back, especially if you can add capital there. Um, as far as CSU goes, it's going to be kind of an interesting year because your best two prospects being Warren Jackson mm -hmm. and Trey McBride. Yeah. 
CSU fans still holding on to some hope that Trey McBride could possibly come back. At, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say he's gone. He's put enough on film at this point. Yes, he has. The tough part about those guys, they're just, it's deep position groups. I mean, Warren Jackson, there's so many good wide receivers. Yeah. You know, he didn't play this year. It's, it's going right. to hurt him. He's going to have a chance, you know, at the combine and some of this stuff. And when you look at his film, it's clear that he can, you know, it's clear that he mm-hmm. can produce, but he would have really benefited from coming back and having a monster year. Trey McBride has the film. It's just one of those, you know, how early does a tight end end up going? I mean, a couple of years ago, Crockett Gilmore coming out of CSU ended up going in the third round to the Baltimore Ravens. I think Trey McBride's like five times the tight end that he is. So, you know, I I could see him. I don't think he goes any later than the fourth round. I think he probably goes in the third. As far as Warren goes, probably looking more like the fifth, sixth round-ish. I mean... Mm -hmm. I could see somebody taking a flyer on him on the fourth just because of what we've seen. I mean, he was the preseason Mountain West player of the year. There's just so many other receivers. I think it's going to hurt him that he didn't play this year. Defensively, you got Scott Patchen and Manny Jones, both on the defensive line. Same thing. Like, you're hoping you could potentially get these guys back, especially, you know, a Scott Patchen. He transferred in from Miami basically to become a more complete defensive lineman, show that he can do it. He has done it, but CSU, they've only played four games. Mm-hmm. So has he put enough on film at this point, you know, for a team to come back? Whereas if he comes back, put it all on film again. So ultimately, you know, it comes back down to Warren Jackson and Trey McBride. Those are the guys that I expect to get drafted. I think, you know, you're looking at probably the fifth, sixth round for Warren, yeah. probably the third-ish round for Trey McBride. I could honestly see Trey going as early as the second. Yep, He, he is going to impress that much, especially in workouts. He's a great run blocker phenomenal hands he had two one-handed catches in the game last week just a stud just what a does stud. scout tell you he doesn't get out of day two yeah i asked a scout at the wyoming game and he said he would be shocked if he went any later than the third there you go yeah and he should really kind of start that second tier tight ends should be right at the top of that when those start guys start going just outside the top 50 henry less obvious choices for you because it's a much younger team um, all jokes aside. So who would be those candidates? Is Landman declaring? And where do you see him going? Yeah. I mean, I have a tough time believing Nate Landman would want to go back to school. He's just yeah. done so much this year. You look at all the stats, the tackles for loss, all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's still questions about him in coverage, but he has gotten a lot better. And I think we've talked about this on here, but um, he he's now like pro football focus. And what they say is like, he's in the edge of the top third which I think is like a kind of fair evaluation in terms of like Pac-12 linebackers in coverage. Um, The thing is, most of those linebackers aren't going to the NFL, which probably puts him on the lower end. He still has some work to do there. The good news is he has come a long ways as a blitzer. And if you have him on the field on third down, that's probably what you want to be doing with him anyway is getting him in the backfield. Um, Mm -hmm. For Broncos fans... He's very similar to Josie Jewell. I think he has a little bit more pop. He he spends a little bit more time in the backfield. And I think that there's probably some more upside in coverage, um, although we don't really know what exactly that'll look like. Um, because of that, you know, uh, it's really hard to predict where he falls because he is kind of an old school linebacker in a lot of ways. Um yeah. But you look at the production, you look at how good his team has been. I, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody takes a flyer on him in you know, the, the second round. I also wouldn't be surprised if nobody wants to touch him until the fifth round. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
that's one of those things. I, I think for him, the, the postseason process is going to be big. Um, people are going to want to work him out in space, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Outside of him, you know, it's a tough year, like Dre said, because the team is so young. Yeah. Um, I think for the most part, everybody else is probably going to come back to school, except for Mustafa Johnson. Um, mm. He's been a monster inside. Again, very highly rated by, you know, all the advanced stats. You can look at the production as, as an interior pass rusher, which is something that is very valuable. Yes. Um, a little bit undersized as like a six foot, six foot one defensive lineman. Yeah. Um, but Aaron Donald is six foot and, and he uses sure. his leverage well. Now, that's not to say that Mustafa Johnson is there in Donald because that's absurd, but he also uses that leverage well as a little bit mm -hmm. of a smaller guy. And in particular, as a pass rusher from the inside, I think that he could be good going forward yeah. because he has shown the ability to penetrate as they've shifted to like the one one gap technique yep. up front and and he has really shined um but again because of the eligibility thing i won't be surprised if he does decide to come back to school but those are two i'd expect to be gone um katie nixon probably not gone probably has to go back another year um darian rakestraw the safety is a senior he probably i mean i don't know why he wouldn't come back and play another year um yep. but he's a fringe draft pick if if things go his way more likely to just be an undrafted guy um outside of that, I mean, I see a bunch of NFL talent, especially on that defensive line with Jalen Sami and Terrence Lang. I just think they're That's coming right. back to school. Be great for the buffs. I tell you, if there's one guy who might hear the NFL knocking more than we might expect, it might be Carson Wells. When yeah. four games has himself 10 and a half tackles for a loss, moving really well uh, in coverage as well. That kind of raw talent in that kind of versatile edge rusher in this kind of class, very True. intriguing. Interesting contrast. CU's prospects will benefit from weaker draft classes at their positions. The Rams' prospects will be hurt from deeper tight end and wide receiver um, positions. Hadn't even thought of that until yeah. you guys broke that down. And, um, and obviously, sorry, Hank, go ahead. Quick note on Carson Wells. I'm pretty sure he and mm -hmm. Nate Lamon are second and third in the country in tackles for loss per game right now. That's a good Love look, but second. also Carson didn't do much last year and uh, he's a junior, so he does have a yep. chance, but I, I I like that take. He definitely could be gone. And, you know, I mean, that's just speculation, but mm -hmm. that is one of those guys who the NFL starts to evaluate, maybe starts to get a couple calls from agents who say, hey, the NFL's kind of telling me you'd be a top 100 pick if you declare thoughts. Um, so monitor that situation. Thank you for that question, uh, Craig. We will obviously talk a lot more of local prospects in the area. I love doing that with this podcast. Count Locula asks, can we talk about quitty pay to the Broncos? Love the count. Jake, this is something we were talking about a little earlier in the year when pay was really lighting it up. Then he kind of got injured. We haven't seen him as much. And then it's felt like Michigan hasn't played in forever. He'd be really intriguing at in Denver, but would he he wouldn't be a one for one replacement for Von Miller or would he be in your eyes? No, I don't think so. I mean, we're talking about an all pro player in Von Miller who, yeah. although he did get injured, I do think he still got it in him to come back and return to that level. Um, and, you know, just after thinking about it for a few weeks, I don't really think edge is as big on mm -hmm. the needs as we think it is. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Atauchi has been playing well. Malik Reed's really been coming on and He's we saw Bradley Chubb. So that while they do, they might want to make a move for depth purposes here in the off season. I mean, if you could get another guy 
like a Tauchu to come in and just play like another rotational role, I think that would be enough. Um, I mean, if Quiddy Pay does come in and he ends up being, you know, sort of an impact player in his first year, that's just a bonus. I think you yeah. do kind of get that injury insurance from that. Um, but it's a, uh, I don't, I don't, it's just tough for me now thinking about taking an edge in the first round. I just don't know if that's the best use of that draft pick. To me, I think that the more I think about it, there really isn't much of a reason to get rid of Von Miller. Like you have so yeah. much cap space None. and no. what this team is missing is all pro players. Like you have a bunch of young guys. There's no reason to try to move on. And so you can use your first round pick. Like, yeah, you're giving Von a lot of money, but also before the show, we were talking about it. And what happens if that was a two sack game for Vaughn on Sunday, do the Broncos mm-hmm. win that game? I don't know, but it's definitely a lot closer. He is that level of player, and it's important not to forget that. And you don't just find guys like Von Miller. It doesn't happen. No. You, I mean, who who on this roster feasibly turns into a, a, a caliber of player that Von Miller was no. at his peak? No one. But Von Miller is the greatest defensive Bronco of all time in my yeah. mind uh with well, all due respect to carl mecklenburg randy gradshaw steve atwater one of my favorite champ. people in the world champ, i mean yeah. champ but von to me is un- unrivaled um i mean shoot we have the entire afc west has only seen a talent of his caliber at that key position in the entire history at the division once before in Derek thomas so uh you know uh rarefied air you are absolutely right hank i would hate to be as the broncos made that run to super bowl 50 i kept thinking about cowboys fans and how torn they must have been watching demarcus Ware, one of the great cowboys mm-hmm. of that or any generation lighted up with the broncos the way he did and i mean to me Ware was 1A, 1B, 1C as far as the most important players on that Super Bowl run. And I think Von Miller has that in him. For sure. Um, So to give up on that. Now, pay would be intriguing, but he'd be a a luxury pick because he's so good as an edge rusher, but even when you move him inside, and I've compared him more to a Bradley Chubb or Melvin Ingram type of edge rusher. So not necessarily a length and bend guy, but more of a power and compact dude who's going to use leverage, going to use those quick hand motions, going to sneak you inside, uh, really, really challenge that inside shoulder on you um, and, and find the direct path to the quarterback and like best of luck. Because when this kid is on, he is on and he might end up being the best player available if you're drafting 10th or 12th. But again, it's a luxury pick. So I like what you you all said. Um, unless anyone has an additional note, Justin, maybe I, okay. Uh, thick fan, Joe, last question we have, and then we're going to do our picks. Where do y'all see Ian book going as of right now? And how high do you think he jumps after Notre Dame wins the national championship? <laughs> thick fan, Joe, you're a legend. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even know who on our panel can answer this most responsibly. Jake, you've actually been the kindest to Ian book and his glow up this season. So where, what, what could he max out his stock at with a like epic playoff run? Man, that's a great question. Um, I think it'd have to be like a transit, like transcendent playoff run to really get him into the first round top 50 conversation at this point. Because I do, 
think like the glow up has been awesome to watch this year and he has gotten a lot better as a quarterback. I just don't think it's enough to really break that top 50 range. I do think that you can spend a day, I don't know, day two pick on him and feel all right about it. Um, he's just going to be an interesting eval, man. I can't wait to get to him just because you have to kind of put some stock into how he used to play yeah. um, because it, it is such a, it's not quite bro, but it is a pretty shocking transformation last year to this year. Yeah. Um, really cut down on the turnovers and just, you've seen the meteoric rise in his playmaking ability. I think that's the biggest thing for me, yeah. uh, especially on his legs, extending plays. That's the thing that's really kind of, where he's shown the most growth, I believe. Um, yeah, he's somewhere in between the evolution of Mayfield at Oklahoma, who didn't declare after a junior and was probably like a late day three pick to the number one overall pick and Heisman winner the very next year. He's somewhere caught between being that and like a, a more athletic Jake Browning or Jake Fromm, you know? Um, all great college quarterbacks, but as far as NFL evals, uh, worlds of difference. Yeah. Uh, also, real quick, the Notre Dame winning the national championship. I got a plus 700 Notre Dame future. So uh, that would be quite incredible if they actually did win the championship. Um, and honestly, I think this team is kind of being slept on because they're really big. They're really powerful. If Ian Book keeps on playing at this level, they might shock a Clemson or an Alabama, maybe both of them. In the conversation for most complete team in the country, right? Absolutely. Who's more complete? All phases of the game. Do you trust Can't Bama's defense saying? more than Notre Dame's defense? No, but I trust mm -hmm. Bama's offense to put up more points yeah. than I trust Notre Dame's. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong, smartass. And that's why being the most complete, not as important as being the best. And Bama's the best. Um, guys, we've got a loaded slate here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got a loaded slate. It is beautiful. Uh, where do we even want to start here? Georgia Mizzou? I can't believe Mizzou's ranked 25th, but they deserve it. Five and three. Uh, Georgia... Boy, a bit of a mess after that hot start. Georgia's favored by 13 and a half. Is that what you guys have? Um, I'm pulling it. Yeah. Out. I think there you go. Yep. Missouri, Missouri's tempting. I, I'm I still just think this Georgia team is a little bit overrated. And I know that yes. they're winning yes. for the most part, but I mean, are they really they're six and two? Like they, they get this SEC bump. The did they have the best defense in the SEC? It's like, yeah, they do, but what's that really worth in the SEC at this point? Honestly, not that much. 13 points. Uh, I hate putting money on Missouri, but I think I'm gonna do it. I've, Missouri's only cost me money so far this year, but Georgia, I mean, like kind of like you guys said, they've been overrated. They have had quarterback issues. They keep on kind of going all over the place. I think, is it JT Daniels now? Is that who's starting? He started at North Carolina last week. South Carolina. not South Carolina, not a very notable performance, but I think they are sticking with him, yes. So, I mean, I just don't think I really trust Georgia to score nope. enough points to cover that 13-point spread, and nope. I just want to take Andre's advice of taking more dogs. So that's right. Mizzou. We don't want to lay the points <laughs> on this one because we don't trust that offense. So if we don't trust the offense, we don't lay points back to basics. Justin, are you with us or you feel like a dog today? 
I think the dogs cover that one fairly easily. <laughs> oh, oh, oh man, not a Mizzou believer. Um, actually, this is a fun one on all sides of the ball. You'll get to see Nick Bolton, the stud uh, linebacker who gets Devin Bush comps quite a bit on Mizzou. And then, you know, all the studs on the Georgia side of the ball, especially on defense. Um, plus their running back who we, we really like and kind of forgot to mention in that running back conversation. He's another of those stud running backs. We're going to go to the ACC where uh, my nemesis, the North Carolina Tar Heels, that's the team I've done nothing but lose money on this year, Jake, uh, takes on Derrick King and the Miami Hurricanes. I am scared we're getting the Canes at just minus three and how much I love this. And I'm terrified that we are all in agreement right now. So, Justin, you start us off, please. I don't know, man. I I think this is I think this is upset potential here with Sam Howell, that rushing game go. that North Carolina's go. got going. Money line plus go. one fourteen. That's tasty. I mean, I I think Miami's legit. I, I've really liked what I've seen yeah. out of them this year, yeah. and I think it's gonna be a really good game. I just don't think there's enough value there to take them to cover with how with how tight I think this is. I think, you know, if I'm gonna play put money on this, I'm gonna go where I have the chance to get the reward. And to me, that's North Carolina taking the ups, but I, I shoot, I've talked myself into it. I'm about to put five, 10 bucks on it. Yeah. And I mean, you see this game, UNC ranked 17th, Miami ranked 10th. I don't think there's that big a gap in these teams. And, you know, obviously home field, uh, essentially Vegas is telling us in a neutral field, this would be a pick them well with COVID. This might as well be a neutral field. Jake, you're nodding your head. Yes, you are on that Mac Brown train. Shoot. You have been for a minute. I love this team. I, I yeah. love watching this team every week. Um, you know, if it wasn't for the Virginia and Florida State losses, two terrible losses, I know, both by three points, though, this resume would look very impressive. Two weeks ago when they played Notre Dame, they were hanging in there. It was, I mean, it's a 14-point game uh, once the bell rang, but it was a really close game all, throughout, all the way throughout. And I just think, man, that Russian attack with Sam Howell, it's just, I love betting on it. It just makes it a lot more fun. I know you've lost money on him, Andre. North Carolina's made me some money here and there. I'm going to take the Tar Heels. Only thing that scares me is Quincy Roche and especially Jalen Phillips, the former number one recruit in the country, UCLA, uh, Cali kid. He transferred to Miami. He's been coming around and that advantage defensively for the Canes. Plus my love for Derek King gives me a little pause. Henry, what are you doing in this one? Canes, Tar Heels? Where do I'm you in fall? a Miami. I'm all in a Miami. I, 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 I realized actually a couple days ago, I was talking to my friend who is a Miami fan and I realized that I kind of just started sleeping on Miami ever since that Clemson game. Like I watched a Clemson game. I was all fired up for it. Clemson beat them up. And yeah. I was like, yeah, you know what? Miami just isn't it. <laughs> They're still better than North Carolina though. And, th and they've been winning consistently. I'm not in on Sam Howell. He's struggled when he's played good teams. Um, I, I, and to be honest, and this is something I've said on the podcast before, it seems like every time I watch a North Carolina game, Sam Howell is struggling. And I just haven't tuned into one of the good games. And, and so that's maybe my own bias just because of what I've seen. But De'Eric King has been so good this season. Completed 64% of his passes, 20 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's looked good. I mean, that Clemson game wasn't good, but... but 
I do think that this Miami team with the Eric King is just better. The running game is what scares me from North Carolina, which isn't like a hot take. Um, Honestly, I'm kind of scared to take either side. Like you said, there just isn't all that much value on Miami um, at this point. But if I do decide to put money on this game, I'm going to go with Derek King in Miami. The thing about Miami I worry about the most, though, is sometimes they are a bit too just Derek King heavy. I mean, I do like Cameron Harris, the running back, but I we haven't really seen him take over a game since like week one or two when they were playing UAB in Louisville. So that's the one thing about Miami. I do love Derrick King. I, I can't get enough of watching him play, but I just worry that North Carolina might be able to overpower them here. If UNC gets up early and they get to lean on those two backs yeah. and Miami has to really throw the football consistently, look look for North Carolina to take this one. I think I think that's what it's all going to come down to. If North Carolina runs the ball for, you know, 200, 225 yards as a team, I just I don't see how you I don't see how you get off the field. I've heard what you've all said. I'm very torn. I could really see this going one uh either way. Uh, but I'm sticking to the basics. I'm taking the juice. When in doubt, take the juice. 2020 has been the year of offense. I overthink and overrate defenses almost every week in football, NFL, or college. I'm not going to do that this week. Um, and I'm just taking the Tar Heels, but I am very torn. Um, Hank, am I crazy for thinking that UCLA can really beat USC this weekend? Oh, no, not at all. I I, I had them winning straight up until we saw what USC did this weekend against uh, Washington State. Washington State. See, again, with this Washington State, Oregon State thing, the two games I need to watch on repeat. But uh, yeah, I think that like until we saw them just go out there and dominate another team, I was all on board UCLA. Like UCLA to me is the third or fourth best team in the pac 12 it's it's usc one it's colorado two and then it's a debate between ucla or washington now ucla botched things early in the season and isn't going to be in the running for anything important i mean but those are the only two games they lost Mm -hmm. um that's gonna be a fun one i i was i was hoping that the line would be better for ucla betting than usc minus two and a half though this is a classic don't take the cheese. You look at this matchup on paper, you assume the Trojans are favored by like eight. Then you look at it and you say, oh man, just three. That should make you think, oh, I'm going to hammer the Trojans, right? Wrong. If you think you know more than the book, you're incorrect. You're about to lose money. Stop yourself right now. Listen to what Hank just said. Look at that line and why it's suspect. They know something you don't know. Plus how, three, that's intriguing. Plus three, that's intriguing. How does USC stop UCLA for running from for 250 yards? That's, that's the question is, that it's, I it's just really can't the answer. North Carolina argument all over again. If mm-hmm. if they get that rushing game going, I don't know how USC gets off the field. Yeah, I mean probably the bet here is the over. I'm not sure what that line is set at right now, but 64. That's well, I was. I will, <laughs> I was going to say on the Miami, North Carolina, if you feel strongly about North Carolina, hammer that over 69 and a half real high. If you like the Canes, I think you sprinkle that under that. These are things I like to do in gambling. You you give yourself a little extra margin, you know, for how you see the game playing out a little L a Derby. How do you see that panning out? Jake. 
I agreement. I like UCLA. I mean, just go. looking at their schedule, they played Oregon really tough. And you go back to that first game against Colorado. I know Colorado got ahead early and it seemed like a blowout late, but UCLA really fought back. Um, what's the running back's name, Hank? Um, uh, Demetric Felton. Demetric Felton. I yeah. like that guy. Um, and USC, honestly, kind of a bit underwhelming at times defensively. Um, I know they got ahead really early against Washington State, and that game was really put to bed by halftime. Um, I don't think that's a game that you could really lean on when trying to analyze this UCLA, UCLA game. And I, USC, one of the best teams in the Pac-12. I do think they're a bit overrated, though, so I will yeah. take the Bruins. Well, and it's a rivalry game. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, not at all. I was just going to say rivalry game. UCLA, this is all they've got left to play for. USC's looking ahead to all this other stuff. USC short week. They've had their schedule moved around. Just enough factors too. So, booyah. Now, this slip, boys, is looking like winners only. Justin, it sounds like you've got another winner on the way. What was this one on the Pac-12? I'm just well. I'm just kind of curious what you guys think about this one. Oregon State is a team. Yeah. They look. They're not. They're not phenomenal. There's not anything that they do that's like truly, truly special. But I kind of feel that same way about Stanford. I, I mean, at plus one sixteen on the money line, it's worth you know maybe sprinkling a couple of dollars on. Given that it's a three point spread, I don't really think it's worth it either way to take either one of those teams as far as the line goes. But I mean. Money line, maybe, maybe you sprinkle it there just because Oregon State and that and that rushing offense and Stanford's offense really just hasn't impressed me at all. Yeah, I mean, it's a t- it's a tough one for me. Um really tough. Um what I go back to though is that Oregon State doesn't have Tristan Gebbia. And when they were able to beat Oregon, they had Tristan Gebbia, who was a quarterback who was defying all expectations. And he got what happened was the Pac-12 refs, which are the worst refs in the country. Tristan Gebby on a QB sneak that would have won the game for them with less than a minute in the game, got into the end zone. They didn't call it a touchdown. They QB sneak again. He gets hurt, gets pulled out of the game, and the next quarterback comes in scores. So Gebby, their starting star quarterback, the freshman who's been tearing it up, isn't playing anymore. And because of that... I think I go Stanford here because they didn't look all that good last week until they were down 30 to 10 to Utah. Um, Jamar Jefferson scares me, but Stanford is a good football team. And I think that they've been underrated for most of the season because of how the season started, because they got beat by Stan- by Oregon real bad because they beat got beat by Colorado by three, but they were down two, three scores for most of the game. Um, but then mm-hmm. since then, they've beaten Cal and then last week they beat a ranked Washington team on the road. And that Washington team isn't a fraud. Um, so I, I do think it's Stanford here, but only because Gebbia isn't playing. I think it's saving me some money potentially. Yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> I, I get excited about Jefferson, but that's all I can really get excited about here. And, you know, I've kind of lost money on the Pac-12 in games like these, where it's just like, really a toss-up we don't know what's going to happen and then now that you mentioned that gebby is out who i did enjoy watching against oregon mm-hmm. a few weeks ago um i'm just gonna stay away man it's the covid special uncertainty bowl and that is a stay away every single time iowa at no wisconsin at iowa this is some uh, big 10 football if i ever saw it 
uh, Scani, of course, getting the extra uh, advantage here, but Iowa has been the better team. Justin, you're making faces. Does that mean you're leaning one way or another here? I, I was hoping to take the under, but at 41 and a half points, that They're kind of scares me a little. It's yeah. right around there where I feel like I'd be too nervous the whole game at that point total. Same deal. I mean, it's only a two and a half point spread. I don't really think there's great value either way there. Mm-hmm. Iowa money line plus 108. There's that's tempting a little bit, but do you really believe in this team? I, I'm not sure I do at this point. Uh, I feel like this is going to be a weird game where it, mm-hmm. it ends up being like mm-hmm. 18 to 13 or something stupid like that. Bunch of Gotta field goals, big ten, a baby. safety or something. Well, I mean, they're very similar teams, uh, Jake. These the DNA of these teams is basically the same. Yeah, and Graham Mertz really came on hot that first game and has yeah. really cooled down since. I think that'd be the only advantage I think Wisconsin had would yeah. be at quarterback. Um, and I still don't trust Mertz enough. This, I mean, the two point spread scares me too. I think this is another one that I'm just gonna enjoy with nothing on the line here. So we've got yeah. two stayaways. I like the Hawkeyes. I like that money line. Henry, you're I do on. too. If you're gonna bet on it, I I'm, think you got to okay. take the Iowa money line. Me too. Beautiful. I think I think that like Wisconsin after that first game when Graham Mertz looked incredible, mm-hmm. um, twenty to twenty one, like just unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, I I thought they could be a college football playoff contender, and I think oh, yeah. a lot of other people did too. Um, but ever since he got COVID and all the other stuff happened, I mean, the last two games he has one touchdown, four interceptions. Let's not overthink that. I'm taking Iowa. Um, and I'm feeling good about it. Beautiful. I've just got uh, two more. One, which is really just uh, throw it out there for a sec, but San Diego State at BYU would have loved the Aztecs if BYU wasn't coming off that loss now. You know, the motivations for the Cougs a little different. This is your territory, Justin. Uh, The line is uh, massive here. It's like 17 and a half for the Cougars. And I guess since San Diego State hasn't been great and uh, BYU can actually throw the ball, maybe that's a fair spread. I, I don't know if I would I would take them to cover just because I think San Diego State, with how effectively they can run the ball, they're going to try and sit on it. They're going to try and limit BYU's possessions, try and keep the football out of Zach Wilson's hand as much as possible. Like you said, though, I mean, BYU, they're going to be pissed off coming off of that coastal. Yeah. And and this San Diego State offense, there's just there's not much that they do well aside from running the football. It's incredibly, it's about as one-dimensional of a team as yeah. I've seen this entire year, even more so than some of the triple option teams. It's crazy. They cannot throw the football. And they're they're yeah. starter at quarterback still out, right? Yeah, it's like their second I mean, I mean, it's their second yeah. string guy, technically. They they flirted with the third string guy a little bit too, even, but yeah, because what happened was they benched their starter for their backup, and then the and backup then got, got hurt, hurt yeah. and then they decided they'd rather have the number three than the number one. So, like Eesh. saying that's Damn. saying that their starters out is giving them too much credit. Um, <laughs> what else? I'm I'm taking BYU in this one, and I'm gonna feel a lot more comfortable just taking like the first quarter, first half line. But I mean, when CU played San Diego Nailed State. Literally more than half of San Diego State's offensive plays went for zero or negative yards. BYU's defense is I mean CSU's D line dominated them. They CSU's yeah. defensive line had like 16 tackles for loss against San Diego State. And BYU, I mean, they're not a great defense, but they're gonna be able to bring enough to really just make them 
you know, you're, you're just going to force them to throw and they can't do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Colorado beat them 20 to 10 on two days notice with literally no game plan other than we're just going to run the ball up the middle 50 times because that's all it takes. BYU get, beating them by 17 and a half. I'm not, I'm not too concerned, but I do feel more comfortable saying that Dax Milney and Gunnar Romney are each going to catch a bomb in the first couple minutes. Then Algier is going to go off and they're going to hit that first quarter line or half line. Minus it's a big spread three and a half. December, though. And that's, that's against quarter. Andre's rules right now. Wow. Minus three and a half in the first quarter is first a quarter. lock. That's if, if I had a mortgage, it would be going on that. Right. <laughs> but you do get scared that they're going to kind of... Aztecs are going to shorten that game and backdoor cover you. So that's where, uh, Jake, you're nodding your head. Yes. Um, just going back to last week, that game against Coastal for BYU, it was yeah. really sloppy. I mean, it was last minute. Um, yep. And I think that you're going to get a more, a better idea or a better picture of this real BYU team this week. Because I mean, yeah. last week they had a lot of drop balls. Uh, you know, Wilson missed a couple throws and then, uh, that was my first time watching mm-hmm. Coastal. I didn't realize that yeah. they would be as ball control as they were. Again, it, it, man. I, I tried to tell you guys that game was going to be close. I didn't think I didn't think they'd win. I was but very I mean, kind of you surprised. You guys were like that was going to be a just an ass kicking yeah. for BYU. Yeah. Yeah. Coastal's legit. Well, yeah. Coastal they shortened the game, right? They ran it. I they think did they did that, more triple team. option stuff and that to to keep the ball away from BYU and surprise them. I mean, genius, great game plan there. Beautiful. Uh, final one is going to be, do you take the cheese on the Gators? If there's one team that is regularly covering massive spreads, it is them. Not last week. Not, <laughs> Not last week. But they, they got you that first half, right? Right, Jake? They you got me the first two. half, but I mean, I guess I <laughs> broke even after the end game, whatever the hell happened at the end there. That was just frustrating. Yeah. Um. Yeah, rough. And from a draft perspective, we get to see that explosive offense against Stingley, uh, Jabril Cox, um, and some of those other it. studs. 23 and a half, I'm saying. Ooh, that's high. Sure is. Sure is. Um, so I'm taking I'm, Florida. LSU's terrible. I am dude. too. I am too. LSU's terrible. I am too. There's yeah. one game where you can break the rule, and it's this one. And, I think, uh, I think I'm going to stay away just because I'm, I like too many other things. To, to put something up, but if I did pick a side, it would be Florida. Justin, I'll I give just... you one just before we go here. Mm, yes, uh, Colorado State. They they play their last game at home, assuming that the game actually happens. Knock on wood, you can't assume anything at this point until the game actually happens in 2020. Yeah. Um, Utah State is freaking horrible. They they're absolutely yeah. terrible. They are. The Rams are 13 point favorites. Which look at against a conference team at home in December. Normally, you're staying away from that. Yeah. Honestly, I think CSU wins this game by like three, four scores. I'd, I'd consider even jumping it up a little bit just to get some value. Put you know money on the Rams to cover that fourteen-ish. You could get plus money there. It, it's going to happen, and and I rarely, rarely am willing to go that far out on a re- uh, on a limb for CSU because it's it's just been so up and down. But I just think their defensive line is going to dominate. I don't know how they block these guys that CSU has. I don't know how they cover a, you know a Trey McBride. Like the Rams win this one easily after a really, really frustrating season where they've, they've all of their winnable games have been canceled and they've had to just play the best teams on the road. Yeah. Real quick. Um, usually this weekend is special for one reason and it's one game. It's usually the Navy army week, mm. but that game is getting uh, 
outshine. So just uh, at one or I guess 11 o'clock or would it be one? No, one o'clock our time. Just uh, that game's on the great American game. It is going to happen. Uh, I mean, we'll see, but well, yeah, it's, uh, it's supposed to happen as of now. Yes. We're less than 24 <laughs> hours away from kickoff. So I guess I'd say it's going to happen. Knock on wood. If you're with me. <laughs> there you go. Uh, actually, finally, Justin, I want to know your thoughts on the game tonight. Nevada, San Jose State, you've been talking them up. There's just one loss between the two of them. Um, yeah. How do you how do you see that? I'm seeing the spread. It's just a pick. Em. Yeah, it's a pick. Em. It's unfortunately I actually got on Nevada early, the Nevada money line earlier in the week when it was still at plus money. So I, I have Nevada money line at plus 120 and I feel really, really good about it. Um, Given oh, well, that that, that Nevada line has gone down one. now, yeah. I think you got to do the. I think you flirt with the over. I think it's like fifty nine and a half points around there, or something like that. Okay. I think this is going to be a game where both teams go well over thirty. But then again, you know, there are times where I feel that way in the Mountain West, and then we end up getting some wonky ass thirteen to ten game. But right. I feel really good about the over in that one. I think Nevada is going to take it. I'm I'm just so high on this Nevada team. I, I they're as fun as anybody in the league. They run the ball well. They throw the ball well. They play, you know, smart defense. I'm all in on Nevada. I'm riding with you. I will also be taking Nevada in that one. Um, so, yep. Henry? Two quick ones. Uh, first of all, Colorado minus two and a half against Utah. I'm feeling pretty great about that. Like that is a good football team in Utah. What about like five or six just for value? Like, do you think they win this game by a touchdown? I'm not going to. I mean, Utah's good. Utah, You. I don't so many of these Pac-12 teams don't get enough respect and it drives me crazy. But this Utah team is really good. Um, the problem is they just need to figure out what they're doing at quarterback because Jake, whoa, I've been talking about him all day. What's his name? South Carolina? Uh, Jake Bentley. Oh, Bentley, Bentley, Bentley. Bentley. Yep. Like he's, he's man. They just mm-hmm. haven't put all the pieces together. They don't have the depth. Um, but they do have like a good defense. It's going to cause some trouble. They have some young guys, but I do like Colorado covering two and a half. Um, and then also I, I like Washington state at home against Cal Cal's coming off the win against Oregon. That's why their favorites on the road. They aren't that good. Their defense is playing better. There was some fluky stuff that happened, including Oregon fumbling the ball in Cal territory. Um, been with like a minute to go in the fourth quarter um along with some other oregon fumbles uh i'm not all in on cal meanwhile washington state like yeah got whooped up on by amon ross st brown and that's just because those are those usc receivers that are just a different breed compared to what you're going to see the rest of the conference that's not like just not being big enough and fast enough to stick with him isn't a problem they're going to have against um cal and that freshman quarterback Jaden delora He's nice. There we go. Um, I think that's going to do it for us today. Thank you, fellas. Always one of my favorite parts of my week. Thank you all for joining us, asking those questions. We really appreciate all the support and are so excited to keep ramping up this draft talk content. Well, Utah State game might have just got canceled. So sorry about that. There you go. Uh, well, you can get it refunded. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer. Um We will be back next week. Appreciate you. Best of luck.